This episode of the Severe MMA Podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Caldera Lab. Guys, you're going to brush your teeth today. Why is that? Because it's healthy. It's part of your day. You don't want bad teeth. Do you know what? I want to take you to another step and add in skincare habits to your daily routine too. I did. Graham did. I know a lot of the people who've tuned into the Severe MMA Podcast did over the last while and we're never going back. We're hooked on Caldera Lab. It's high performance, min skincare Products use the promo code Severe MMA for twenty percent off at CalderaLab.com. I told you last time around that first impressions matter. Your teeth and your skin are, are the first thing somebody notices about you. Backed by legit clinical trials, I found ninety four percent of men's skin showed an overall younger looking appearance after using our products for only uh, a few weeks. Caldera Lab is the regimen you've been looking for. It's incorporated skincare before you brush your teeth, guarantees you. Uh, not to mess up your routine, leaving your uh, your breath fresh, but also your face refreshed uh, as well. Habit stacking, habit hacking, whatever you call it, do them both together. You know, as I said, brush your teeth, do the skincare. Caldera Lab is here to take your daily routine to skin royalty. Take my word for it, or one of the thousands of the five-star reviews. Even better, it's easy to use Caldera Lab because it's a simple solution for the regimen that includes three products, the Clean Slate, the Base Layer, and the Good. Um, the, the Clean Slate is the one to start your day. It's a face, wa- face wash uh, that leaves all skin types refreshed. The Base Layer is a good daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin to start uh, your day full of confidence. And the Good is your go-to multifunctional serum uh, at night that helps your skin look uh, tighter and smoother as well. It helps reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines Every drop of the serum is packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units to protect your skin. No other brand does this. Better yet, Caldera Lab is the only brand that cares about this enough to even know. And the Caldera Lab Icon Serum, that's absolutely fantastic as well. It addresses the three most common signs of uh, skin concerns around the eye, the fine lines, the dark circles, and the puffiness. So one minute in the morning and night is all it takes to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. Habits don't get much easier than that. Um, and like, this is just for our audience. This is an exclusive offer. This is our best offer available anywhere. Use the code SEVEREMMA at calderalab.com and get 20% off right now. To get 20% off with the code SEVEREMMA at calderalab.com and make unforgettable first impressions that lead to the charming words. Oh, you look younger. 20% off at calderalab.com with the code SEVEREMMA. If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up from the rewatch to the Q&A. We will have loads of content every week. So sign up patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. 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 The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome, everybody. It's episode 435 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Eddie Jones of Irish MMA Media as we look back at a 
<sighs> a busy weekend, a busy week. I was up in Dublin, obviously hating Dublin as always. You can't screen grab that one, Graham, you fucking prick. Uh, yeah, I, already, I already have it. I already have it forever. <laughs> Treasured. Severe of May. Loop. I have to, I'll have to put it in my loop here as well. Things. Hold on, I'll give you a, a, a good Dublin one before we start. <laughs> Someone actually roared Get up over that In the crowd At Bellator The other day I was like Is that your Harrison <laughs> I might well have been him But Yeah we did a, a very very interesting Fun week At Bellator And that's what we're going to Talk about mostly today Um I haven't had a chance to watch back all the UFC and I know Graham has watched a bit of it but I'm going to get our guy Ian O'Neill on the Q&A this week and I'm going to put that out for free so uh, if you want to listen to a, a UFC breakdown or anything like that we'll have Ian on to talk about that on the Q&A this week but we're going to talk mostly about Bellator one or two other things towards the end of the podcast here today but I suppose starting with that Graham and Bellator um, honestly it was one of those uh, events I entered and I was like this is a really good event but it's it's so long there's there was supposed to be 21 fights actually turned into 20 fights um and I was like oh it's gonna drag but it, it really didn't drag it went fast there was no there was there was one like 12 or 15 minute break maybe which you know you kind of need in the middle of a night go you know go to the toilet go get a drink or whatever it might be um you know if you're the fan yeah as long as it's not one of them every every fight you're actually happy yeah. to have that little break to you know yeah. run off and do whatever you need to do 100 percent. so that it was good it it really didn't drag at all it was it was almost the perfect flow and you didn't it didn't feel like there was 25 like when you got to set a queenie fight which was this the the last prelim fight and then there was five main event fights you were kind of like uh, sometimes in, in events by that stage you're kind of fatigued and you're like oh jesus is, is this ever gonna end type of thing just because it's you know everyone kind of feels that way i suppose when they get to event even though you're looking forward to the rest of them but this one didn't feel like that at all it was it was really really good and look we'll talk about the results and they didn't go the way i suppose for the irish but i thought i want to start this with a positive note because there's like there's there's a few ups and downs on the night and with this event and all, we will talk about all of them but i thought it was a really positive event. i honestly think and and I, I've talked to two people about this and they gave me two differing opinions on it, but I, th- I think it was the best event Bellator have ever done in terms of the fights themselves. Now, everything around it, maybe, you know, we'll talk about that and maybe not the case, but... Um it didn't have like the the wave of Irish winners uh, that we you know maybe the Irish crowd would want, but the quality of fights, the quality of the main event, especially the quality of the co-main event, some of the fun knockouts and submissions we saw throughout it, uh, I thought it was really, really, really good to be honest. And that non-dragging <laughs> part of it as well was was fantastic. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good fight week as well with the media day and all of that. But um, what what did you think overall of the event, Graham? Obviously, we were sitting there in the front row, and it's a great seat to have and everything like. But um, you know, sometimes maybe we do take it for granted. But for this one, I feel like we didn't. I really enjoyed it anyway. What, what did you think? Yeah, I agree with pretty much all of that. Um, I'm trying to remember, like, my memory is really bad at kind of mushing events together and remembering other Bellator events and how how they went uh, years gone by. But this was definitely a, a really good show. And even even the fights that maybe weren't, you know, the most exciting, like maybe the Sinead and Sarah Collins fight, was it was on such a knife edge that, like, you know, one strike either way could have taken each round at any time and things like that. So, uh, you know... Uh, Going into it, I was kind of like you. Twenty fights. This is going to be, <laughs> this is going to be a long day. But yeah, the pacing was great. There was there was knockouts. There was submissions. There was there was decisions mixed in, but not too many. There was uh, fights that you didn't know which way they were going to go and things like that. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. Obviously, um, you know, uh, maybe the 
the crowd wasn't as as full as we've seen in in previous years gone by. There was a couple of sections at each at each side like uh, curtained off, but the atmosphere was was really good in there. Everybody seemed to be you know having a good time. I don't think there was too much um you know there wasn't argy bargy going on and things like that. So I think from from you know multiple standpoints it went very smoothly and. You know, hopefully it's not the, the the last time we see Bellator in, in Dublin in the three arena because we've had some we've had some like you know phenomenal events, phenomenal fights. We've seen Irish fighters get get chances that they that they didn't have previously on, on such a big stage in front of big crowds and great experiences to carry with them going forward in their career. And it will be a it'll be a sad day when, if Bellator is to you know obviously it's all up in the air. Maybe PFL will buy it. Maybe they'll stand alone. Maybe they'll, they'll close down. We don't we don't know. Like I don't think anybody really knows. It's in it's in that negotiation phase at the moment, but you know, hopefully, like Bellator sticks around from 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 a worldwide MMA standpoint, but also from a from an Irish MMA standpoint. From an Irish, yeah, from an Irish MMA standpoint, especially, I think it would be awful if Bellator went away. Like really, really, really bad. Like I remember we used to talk about Bellator Europe, and if that went away, it'd be really bad. And you know, I suppose it kind of did go away, but. You know, not really. It went away because of the pandemic, but Bellator kept bringing events here, so it was fine. But at the start, when Bellator came to Ireland and signed a lot of the top prospects, you know, like James Galler and you know everyone else to sign into it through, there was like a whole lot of negativity. And like to be honest, I I never really understood it. I the biggest issue I think was they weren't moving people forward, but then they did. I and think I think, I think I w- maybe part of the Irish MMA community thought that oh it's just SBG and they're not giving us a look in, they're not signing us. No, but that at maybe. the start it wasn't that at the start because you had a lot of the yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and it did turn into that and absolutely. I think at the weekend especially although the weekend was an odd one because like it feels like the last event so like why would you say sign new people to new contracts when you're like closing up the company so but for the last three or four events absolutely I think more people should have been signed but there were like Reds was on the card uh, cards at starting Norman Park was on the cards Miles Price loads of non-SPG people so at the, like at the start it was all like I feel, it was like a, a little bit of and it's something we've all had to get out of I think a little bit of maybe UFC snobbery it's like oh it's you if, you, if you're not going through cage wires and getting paid 250 quid and going to the UFC you're not doing it right you're not a real fighter and all this and like that's that is bullshit. Like that, and I, I think if we haven't realized that at this stage, it's you know, like I think that the both options, both routes are valid, and of like course. you know, yeah, I think like for some, yeah, the cage warriors route is better for some, the Bellator route is better, and there should be no kind of like ah, oh, you're not doing it right because you did it this way because both are like you know, this is prize fighting at the end of the day, and people have to make decisions based on like a lot of different factors that maybe. We don't know going on in the background and just personal preference and all that stuff. And, you know, it's definitely, um, you know, uh, over the years, there's been like a big split. And we've heard like, you know, Ian Gary come out and say that like, oh, this is the right way to do it and kind of a backlash against that. But like, I think it's it's worked out pretty well for, for both options. So I think kind of, you know, that kind of right way to do it, a wrong way to do it thing was a bit maybe overblown by, by everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it, it 100% was. And like there was... Look, there was always a debate, and you know there could still be the debate which way is the right way to go for some people, and there's no problem with that. That debate is grand, but if like you're completely talking down one way of doing it when it's just as viable a route as the other way, it's like, well, why why are you doing that? Like just because you decide to go one way, like like say, look at someone like Peter Queen. Look at the the career he has had. I remember the, the during the last fight week, I asked him like, remember the, he was supposed to sign for the UFC there at one stage, and there was a visa issue or something happened. I was like, is this the 
best thing that actually ever happened to you and he was like i think it back kind of was as well <laughs> but like because like he wouldn't have got the opportunity he's gotten now in the ufc he probably wouldn't got his paid as well and we, obviously we'll get on to that fight and everything what happened in it but I, I think for some guys it's just been brilliant like for Brian Moore even though like he's matchmaking and all that hasn't been amazing like the, the reception he's been able to get the amount of times he's been able to fight in front of the Irish fans that means so much to him it's been fantastic so like I, I think what Bellator have done for Irish MMA we, we've definitely taken it for granted and we really really you know we really need to you know it's almost a case of we didn't know what we had till it's gone, you know, and it feels like it's gone now, right? Whether it's not, whether it is or not, we, we'll see, and I really hope it isn't. But I, I think what Bellator, you know, the cards they've put on, the big time MMA, like the big title fight we had on Saturday, we saw Amazon here, we saw Yoel Romero. Like, I remember, <laughs> and it's not the bygone days, Graham, it's only a few years ago that we were sitting here and going, look, we love all the Irish fighters, we want all the Irish fighters on the cards, but like, can we have, you know, a Wonderboy on the card if it's the UFC, or, you know, can we have a Benson Henderson, or can we have and we, like... MVP, and we got them yeah, as well. Yeah, Bellator gave us that. Johnny Eblen, I think, is the best middleweight in the world. They gave us Johnny Eblen here. Amosov, you could definitely argue he's the best welterweight in the world. They gave us Amosov on top of a card here. It's, it was, honestly, we, we, we really, really, really take it for granted just because it's not the UFC, just because it's Bellator. And, and I like the more, and I've, I've thought this way now for a good few years. And um, I, uh, I, I think we need to appreciate it more. But uh, oh, the other parts of it, before we get into the fights itself, I know people like hearing about, you know, the, the media days and about the crowds and everything like that. First of all, the crowd, I, I know you hinted at it there, Graham, but the, this was by far the smallest crowd that Bellator have ever had. Um, I think maybe the Bamator days back in the day, there was uh, smaller ones or just Bama by themselves, didn't do massive crowds, but there was... The, the two top corners were both cut off, so only about a third of the upper uh, deck was open, and I would say only about a third of that was full. Um, and then throughout the rest of the crowd, there were two small sections towards the sides cut off, and I would say there was maybe, what would you say, Graham, 85% of the crowd full, other than that, so... Yeah, you know. well, I think at one stage, you know, there were a couple of sections were filled up or were had people in them and then people had left, maybe like their, the person they were there to support had left and things like that. So maybe it was like throughout the night, throughout the 20 fights, maybe it was a little bit more, but I'd say, you know, I think maybe 3,000. It's always so hard to, it's always so hard to kind of guesstimate numbers, especially over over like an eight-hour period when people are kind of coming and going, if, you know, a family member or like, you know, somebody that they that, that uh, they're friends with or or whatever are fighting, and they're not really interested in staying through through twenty fights. So, yeah, uh, I didn't get an official number from Bellator, but it was still a, a very big crowd for Irish MMA. It wasn't you know nine thousand, ten thousand like we've seen at, at UFC Dublin or like you know the height of the Bellator shows here, but still a still a big event for for Bellator. Still, you know probably their biggest event in, in their last few events in terms of attendance. Yeah, I would say it was similar enough to the Cage Warriors one in terms of attendance. I I, I think there was more than 3,000 there. I put it somewhere bef- between like maybe four and five, I think, um, which is still obviously a good few tickets to, to be sold and on. Like Bellator probably wouldn't sell that many tickets in most places they would go unless it's, you know, a massive fight in, in a massive um, uh, metropolitan or whatever it might be. So I think as well, 
Right, and someone from Bellator actually said this. Maybe we should have contacted you and asked: Was there a rugby match on on that night? Because yeah, yeah. that's uh, that was that was probably the biggest issue. And another issue as well, like, there was also a women's football match on, wasn't yeah, there? there? There was, but, and it was like the biggest attended one in in apparently. I don't know. Yeah, I heard uh, something like that. So that also, obviously didn't help either. Man United were playing at eight o'clock. Like ah, which, sure. no, but, uh, no, but you. Uh, <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I know you're going to joke about it, but like. If you're like um, a what eighteen to forty year old male who's going to go out uh, to an event on um, on a Saturday night, like, and you're buying a ticket maybe in the last week or two, and you're like, look, oh, we'll go after Man United match. You look it up and go, oh, Man United are playing at eight o'clock. Oh, I won't bother. Like, how many be like? I know if that was me and Man United are playing, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go. Like, yeah, if you're on the fence, it's something that we're gonna. And way like, either way yeah and like but well, it was, a lot was of people this card around. or the previous Bellator card that was originally announced for a Friday and then was like yeah the change was Saturday so it was, was a bit strange that they that yeah. they can stick to the Friday they, yeah they probably should have put it on the Friday would I I reckon if it was on the Friday let's say it was four thousand now I reckon it would have been at least six to seven thousand if it was on just if they change it up and put it on the Friday and I know Friday is harder to get there and everything but this is a bad weekend like literally a Man United match and an, uh, the Ireland rugby match like the biggest match they've had in years was uh, was on at the same time for so like not to make excuses or anything like that it was, it was actually the opposite of excuses because Bellator probably shouldn't have picked the event for that there's probably a reason why that night was free for an event to be on so like that's a big part of it as well but another big part of it as well I mentioned cagers like cagers are there not too long ago Cage Cagers have an event coming up in what three weeks time again. Katie Taylor just fought and she's gone fighting again uh, in you know not in not too long away. And there's PFL are coming up towards the end of the year as well. There's a lot and like the hotel. And there's so rumors going around about all oh, the UFC might be coming soon. A few people yeah. might be thinking, oh, it's going to be expensive. I might hold out for that. There's a, there's a lot of things going on, but you know if it is four thousand or whatever, that's that's a pretty good crowd. And you know the crowd are always into it and they're always. They're always um, like hardcore fans. They, they know what they're watching, and it's always a really good atmosphere. I always really enjoy it, and yeah, hopefully, you know, if Bellator is to go away or to merge into PFL, PFL can pick up the slack. But you just never know with these things. You know, if we lost out on them kind of two or three events a year here, uh, it w- it would be a big blow. Yeah, it, it would, and hopefully that that doesn't happen. Um, the other side of it then on like the media days and everything I thought the media days were pretty good and that there was you know very little media there again I suppose with the same complaint we've had for the last uh, three or four events but we, you know we'll, there's no point having that same conversation again but the media day myself and you were there uh, Amy was there taking photos um, uh, Donna Carby was there my guy from up the north I, 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 I'm um, I can't remember. I'm, I'm the worst with names. Like, yeah, I'm I, terrible. Like, I, can, I can't remember his name. Uh, even people I've met like loads of times. Like, I'm <laughs> yeah. just like afraid to say their name in case it's wrong, or I just have no idea half the time. Yeah, well, you I see, know what's wrong with me. I can't retain information about. <laughs> if I meet more than one person, if I meet one person at a time. I can remember them. If I meet a bunch of people, I just, uh, something's wrong yeah, with me. I don't know what's going on. That's it too. But uh, yeah, that was basically all the Irish media that was there. There was the Virgin were there and there was like this French sponsor there as well taking photos. But yeah, no other Irish media at the, um, uh, at the media day, at the Wayne's. It was just myself and, and um, that, that chap from the North who was a very good photographer taking photos. You'll, you'll see all the fighters uh, um, spreading around these photos anyway, so you'll know exactly who it is. But um yeah, that was it. And I understand people have to go to work and stuff as well. But years ago, and you know, 
there used to be a lot of MMA media and they'd have to turn away people and uh, sure though but there'd be 50 lads with points in their hands <laughs> yeah. when the UFC comes yeah, but, uh, and there wasn't like there wasn't even that many people showing up for their free ticket on the on the Saturday like we had one or two like who showed up for four or five fights sure, they, were, they were probably at the uh, at the pub watching, yeah, the, that's watching the World it. Cup yeah, <laughs> the World Cup it's you know it's a shame to be honest because like you know you, it's great to have lots of uh, uh, Irish MMA media now but it feels like it feels like that scene is completely dead. You know, they talk about the, the fighters and stuff, but the Irish MMA media scene, apart from us, obviously, who are, who are doing it day in, day out, like, it's... There's no one, really, like, and that's really sad, to be honest, because it was it was great a while back. You had new voices well, and new faces coming been, all the time. That's the way it's been for the majority, you know. Like, there was, true, no, there was nobody, bef- like... Very few, anyway, you know, uh, throughout the Man, years. Fucking name him, Greg. The, fucking name with, with the with the <laughs> Conor McGregor explosion, obviously there was a there was a lot of you know people getting interested because they see how how interested people are, how much clicks and you know advertising revenue they can make and all. But you know, once that goes down, they weren't really a lot of these outlets weren't really interested in MMA. They were just interested in generating clicks all along. So yeah, they that's just true. yeah, this was kind of bound to happen. I think yeah. Right, uh, let's get into it and let's talk about the uh, the fights themselves. Um, like, I want to start. I want to start with Kieran Clark because this was a massive fight for him. We talked about it last week, Graham. And you were kind of saying, like, I mean, we were, everyone was kind of saying, you know, could he go to the UFC? And you know, the argument was maybe was it too quick or whatever. Whatever the argument was, this is a big pressure fight. And like, to be honest, all these fights are big pressure fights. If we're being honest, because I said honest there twice. Uh, we don't know what's happening with, with Bellator. And we'll just leave that in the background proviso because we talk about it for every fight if if we had to mention it every time. So just I suppose leave that as a proviso. But like for Kieran Clark, this fight went so badly for him in so many different ways and he still got the finish and still actually looked really good at times I think better than ever maybe uh, at the times when he wasn't getting fucking up kicked in the head it was it was brilliant from Kieran Clark and I said that quote to him that I had heard like they make the uh, the what is it, the hardest times for the toughest people and like Jesus Christ he is a tough tough man I've never I've never seen he any- thrives in adversity yeah. it's like <laughs> but he like it's not that he likes it because he comes out afterwards and goes jeez I need to stop doing that you know after every fight but like it's almost like when it happens to him it's like oh yeah here we go again and like that, that you know those uh, the, the Limerick team I was talking about and high level teams and, and um, athletes I was talking about you know have those those moments those points in your career that you can look back on and go oh well you know I've, I've been here before I understand what needs to be done and let's just go and do it and f- it seems like second nature for Garon Clark at this stage, Graham. I I was just so impressed with it to go to eight and zero now as well. After like it looked like he was half knocked out by that second um, up kick that was illegal. The yeah, first one as well. He, he went down heavy. It looked it looked. I actually haven't seen it back, but it looked like he hit his head even on the way down. Like it wasn't. It wasn't like um, playing it up or anything like that that we sometimes see when when a guy gets hit with a legal strike. It was definitely like he 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 kind of flopped over for a second, then popped back up and like oh, I'm fine, but. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think anybody could say he played it up. If anything, he played it down, and you know, a lot of fighters would have said, "Here, I'll take the the DQ win here and be on my way." And he, you know, that's just not in Kieran's nature. That's not in his DNA, as they say. No, not at all. I, I think as well, you know, he he's supposed to go down to one thirty five and ended up being one forty. Um, I, I, like I think it was probably you know he he kind of said it 
in the media there that it was like, you know, I had planned to get down to 135. So, you know, take from that, it was his opponent wanted to make it 140. But I I was skeptical about that. But the way he fought and the way he looked coming in as well, like he looked in better shape. Sometimes you don't realize that maybe someone's fighting um, a weight class above where they should be fighting until they move down. Like some people are like obviously normal in that weight class and then they move down. They're like, oh, Jesus, what's going on here? Like, are they going to be able? But Kieran didn't. Like, it, it, it looked more natural for him. Now, he, it was 140 instead of 135, but I honestly don't think that'll make much of a difference. He looked very good on the scale and, and everything like that. But like, his ability to take a shot is going to be better when you're not cutting. Or sorry, his ability to take a shot from the smaller guys is going to be able to to increase, but also like that weight cut is it going to be an issue in terms of taking the shots? But I don't know when I, when it doesn't look like a massive weight cut. I'm I don't know will it maybe be better? Uh, maybe fighting maybe when guys? he goes to one thirty five, it might be a little bit you know more stressful than one thirty than one forty in this fight. But you know, as you said, it, it it looked like he in this fight. You know, it didn't really look like it in his last couple, but in this fight, it looked like he could. You know, he looked like a bantamweight. So, obviously, it'll be a little bit different when I'm extra five pounds. It's it's not ten pounds. It's not as big of a difference, but it's still you know it's still draining your body and and stuff like that. And you know, um, I was a little bit wary of him of him moving down, thinking maybe you know you don't need to. But as you said, when you kind of see him close to one thirty five, he looks kind of it looks like it suits him better. Uh, so, yeah, maybe it is the the right move. And obviously, uh. You know, having that um, strength advantage and things like that is definitely something that that should happen for him at a lower weight. But also, you know, the guys are going to be a little bit faster at one thirty five, so that's going to play into it as well. So it's a double edged sword, and you know, it's kind of time will tell how that works out. What do you think he should do next? Like, uh, uh, look, the rumors coming out uh, yeah. of Bellator here are before we maybe get into that even. Eternity year, we should know something by. It was kind of like everyone that I spoke to, like everyone that I spoke to kind of said that, and everyone that I spoke to were like, we've no idea what's going on. So, if you're Kieran, say someone like Kieran Clark now, who you're out of your contract now, you're in and all, I'm sure, you know, maybe a contender series thing would be open for you, and maybe PFL would be open for you, maybe other places. Do you kind of like. Do you kind of say, right, I'm going to take three months off here. I'm just going to train hard, improve, wait to see what happens with Bellator and maybe go from there. What What would your, I know you talked about it last week, maybe not going to the UFC yet, but what do you think he should do? Would that be a wise move maybe to, to just wait for a little bit? Yeah, well, he, like he could get management to put out feelers and see kind of what the kind of market value is at the moment. If he's, if he's out of contract, I'm not sure. Maybe he has to wait a little period to negotiate with other, other promotions. Maybe he doesn't, but... Yeah, I'd be in no massive rush. You, know, you can wait to see how Bellator pans out. I, I think from the little bit you know, I've heard Kieran say, he seems to be very happy with Bellator. If it was to go ahead, I think he'd be happy enough to stay there. Obviously, um, you know, he mentioned the UFC in an interview, but yeah, we've seen with like kind of Paul Hughes and other guys, you know, that's not exactly, you know, uh, that sometimes can take a long time. It's not exactly like on the table uh, to just pick up and go there. So, and also, like I was saying last week, uh, for the kind of longevity of his career, once he is inside the UFC, maybe it is better to to um, you know get a couple more fights in before doing that. So it's good to have options. You know, it's it's it'd be even better for him if he had the Bellator option as well. But yeah, as you said, it's just completely in flux what's going on there. So 
Um, yeah, I, I think he, if I was Kieran, I'd be in no rush to make a decision. I'd kind of test the waters and, you know, stay ready. Yeah, I, I think if this was normal times and this whole Bellator close and everything wasn't happening, I think, like, you know, sign a 455 contract with Bellator is probably the best way to go. They've matched him pretty well. I think they'd probably give him an opportunity of maybe a tougher matchup as well in two or three fights, is which is probably what he he will need at that stage. But, that, you know... If you're really yeah, like in fairness to Bellator, we always criticise them over the Brian Moore and Sinead Kavanaugh yeah. matchups and all this stuff. If, with Kieran Clark, they've given him a steady progression. You know, they've given him the correct fights, and you know he's ha- he's had to come over o- overcome adversity, and we've seen different wrinkles to his game and different sides of it and all that. And you know, it's been done really, really well. So props to to Jude and Jude Samuel and whoever whoever else there is making them decisions because, yeah. you know, we've we've seen them develop Kieran Clark really well. And maybe that's kind of, we, we, we've seen they can do it. So it's, <laughs> well, why aren't you doing it with other guys? But, yeah. yeah, it's like, it's like Marcus know. Rashford is like, well, we know you can do it. Why don't you just do it? But uh, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. And look, uh, I would say if my advice to Kieran would be just, you, you're a young guy, you've had plenty of fights in a short enough period, you've been active, you know, a, a bit of improvement, a bit of rest, and see where we go next. I suppose when the when the the, the dust settles on the picture of of the worldwide MMA sphere, I suppose see where you go there. But another cracking win for Kieran. Obviously, he got the arm triangle in the second round after coming through adversity again, and you know that crowd he brings with him as well. There's no mistake in that. Like he probably, you know, there was big pops on the night, but for like the crowd during his fight, like supporting him, chanting his his name. I'm not sure what that nickname is, but there's some nickname but they're they're like chanting. The, he's he has the biggest crowd there. There's no there's no doubt about that. I think I think he is the biggest ticket seller, and you know promotions like that as well. Let's say you're a PFL who don't really sell that many tickets, and we're, I'm sure would love to sell a lot of tickets. If they could get a Kieran Clark here and he'd sell fucking a thousand tickets, that that's a lot. Like that is a lot for someone like him. So we'll see where it goes with uh with that, and and best of luck to to Kieran and all of that. Um, right. Let, do you know what we we let's let's talk about the the, the top. Uh, two fights first of all and then we go through uh, all the rest but I, d- I definitely wanted to mention Kieran first Eblin and Edwards Graham what a what a fight this was you you could see it the Pico Carvalho fight as well somehow, but this one the level that you know the level that these two lads were fighting to is something we rarely see in in Ireland to be honest uh, Jesus the the movements the, the athleticism the technique you see even when Eblen was going for takedowns and the you know the, the entries that he was putting in there that Edwards was kind of swatting away and doing a great job of taking him down but then you could see the ebb of the fight kind of moving the Edwards getting a little bit tired and like oh is this gonna go you know another way and in the cut and you see Eblen up it because of the cut it was it was real high level stuff like real real high level stuff and again Again, this is uh, I, this argument we started with at the start of like, oh, it's Bellator, sure they're not that good. This is a fight between two good fucking fighters. Who gives a shit what color gloves they're wearing or what kind of cage it's in? If this was in the UFC, it'd be a good fucking fight. If this was in PFL, if this was out the backyard here and I was looking out the window at it, this would be a good fucking fight, right? And this was a good fight. Fabian Edwards rose to the occasion. We talked about it last week, Graham, and like, uh, will Fabian be able to to um you know two rice to the cage? Will he be able to let his shots go? And but the two of us were even talking about it at, at cage side or, or after at the media day maybe even where Fabian was like, you know, I I asked him the question and he kind of answered us in 
and like the way we were thinking yeah. the way we were thinking exactly it's like I need to do this and he did it like because and you, you said to me Graham it's easy to say it but to actually go and do it but he did it he landed his shots he caught Eblen open he ended look he ended up getting tired and all that but I think I think one of the judges had it 2-0 one of the judges had it 0-2 and one had it 1-1 I believe I must check actually that but I was talking to someone about it last night and they told me that but um that that was the fight, really, wasn't it? It was a close fight, nip and tuck, high-level stuff, and I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, obviously, Eblen ended up getting the finish in, in the third round with the big knockdown and uh, the punches, but, you know, as someone, Graham, who's followed Fabian since his amateur days, uh, it was it was a really good performance for him. Obviously, not the ending he wanted, but Johnny Eblen showed his fucking muster, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Like, you know, for me, I thought that both rounds, the first two rounds were really close, but I thought Fabian had, you know, landed the more impactful, cleaner kind of stuff. Like, it wasn't wasn't a blow away or anything, but he, I thought he'd done enough. I, you know, I, w- I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been saying you can bank them rounds, they're, they're definite. I think the second round where he, he opened up that huge cut on Eblen, um, you know, was probably slightly more clear. But I, I had I had both for Fabian, but it was a com- really competitive fight. And you knew that if Eblen could get it, takedown at any moment that that would change the fight the fight or the round if not the fight significantly what was kind of unexpected was Eblen landing that big shot uh in the in the third and, and putting Fabian out and you know uh, you know fair play to him because I actually people were saying oh Fabian started to get tired but I actually thought Eblen looked like he started to get a little bit tired and he, he even said himself that like once he once he kind of saw his his team's reaction to his cut, he kind of knew that, like, you know, oh, Jesus, there's a, there's a possibility here that if this gets any worse or starts bleeding more, this this fight could be stopped, so I've got to go out and make this happen. And, you know, that can put you in a very vulnerable position if you're against somebody like Fabian, if you're if you're kind of a little bit more desperate than you, you kind of would like to be, or, uh, you know, you have to get it done, you, you feel you have to get it done, you have to get it finished quickly. But, you know, Evelyn, he found a way. He landed a huge shot and he followed it up really well. And, you know, uh, there was a bit of bit of bad blood afterwards and all that stuff. But this is a highly emotional, you know, game. And there's a lot on the line here. And it's a, a big main event against a, a guy, you know, that a guy that can finish you and that you know can finish you uh, if, if you make a mistake or even if you don't. So I can kind of like, you know, it just shows how much this means to these guys. And I think he, Eblen said it himself afterwards that he went over to kind of Leon and the team and said, oh, you know, sorry about that. I was just, it was just a moment. And I was just, you know, full of, full of chemicals, <laughs> full of natural chemical uh, adrenaline and all that stuff. And that he didn't actually, you know, he, he regretted it or whatever. But yeah, phenomenal, uh, phenomenal come from behind win, in my opinion, for, for Eblen and, you know, as I said, it's a risky game when you kind of have to push push the striking or push the pace uh, and try and get somebody like Fabian Edwards out of there. But, you know, Evelyn just, he looks phenomenal. And, you know, people are talking, oh, how would he look against, you know, Sean Strickland in the UFC? And I'd love I'd love to see it. Oh, you know, obviously, Sh- Sean Strickland has made, you know, massive improvements. Like, he, he shocked me against Adesanya with, ha- with how good his, how like flawless his basics were defensively and offensively but you know Evelyn if he takes Sean Strickland down how's that going to look it's very interesting you know and I'm sure the UFC will that, that would be one of the guys that the UFC would like to take from from Bellator if, if Bellator was to go under but I'm, I'm sure you know all other promotions would want to as well and Evelyn said he's not really he's not really too fussed where he goes as long as as long as he's getting getting paid well yeah it's 
it was a tricky enough matchup for him as well when you think about it like because Fabian has very good takedown defense and he's very good at getting back up which he showed in this fight but like I thought Eblen showed his striking ability and I've mentioned that a few times in my previews uh, for his, his last two fights that you know sometimes people can get it twisted and be like oh this guy's just a wrestler he needs to wrestle him take him down look I suppose he you know he didn't do that in this he knocked him out with a big fucking left hand and then ground and pound so that was proven incorrect but I've known that for a while like this guy is a good fucking all round fighter and to be able to you know, you know, you said it there. You thought Fabian was two 0 up. I probably did as well, but I don't think anyone's mad for saying it was one one or, or two 0 to Eblen in a fight that was almost unanimously standing for for two rounds. Uh, maybe people as well don't understand the level Fabian actually is. He's a damn good fighter and a damn good striker. And for Eblen to be able to be even in a fight like that with a guy as high level as Fabian, which was predominantly standing, is massive, I think, and shows the level he's at. As you said, like, you know, different matchups with, with the likes of Strickland or maybe an Adesanya or whoever it might be. But I um, I think Eblen is right up there, you know. He didn't want to say that he's the best middleweight in the world now uh, because he's friends with Strickland, but he was happy to say it there six months ago when Adesanya was the champion, which I thought was was kind of funny but Eblen as well this time like he he was at the last Bellator um, and we interviewed him and like it was like getting fucking water from a stone like you know he just wasn't saying anything and this week he was all talk and he was great and you know afterwards as well he was he was good and he was you know he was chatting shit and everything which was was fantastic so you know sometimes you see guys and are like oh do you know what maybe we don't want them in Ireland again type of thing but he's the type of guy like himself and Amosov the last time as well if there was another card here I would love to see oh what a, what a super fight that a fucking be actually Jesus yeah, let's make that happen but um yeah great performance from um you know from both Edwards and Eblen I think as well just to, to go back on the, the runnings of the fight that you went through there there was a point in it and you know, we'll, we'll mention this a couple of times throughout the podcast when you're sitting there cage side sometimes you look at a guy and you see he's kind of facial expression and I think Fabian was getting tired in that second round. Um, and I was like, he, I think he's 2-0 up here just as the round was ending. But I'm like, I'm not sure if he can win another round. Um, and put that with the fact that Eblen upped it because of the cut. And it was the, maybe the perfect storm for, for what ended up happening, I suppose, early in the, uh, in the third round. But, um, you know... I would rather, if you're Edwards and you're looking back in five years or 10 years or 20 years time, wouldn't you rather say that I went out and I fucking threw my shots and went for it rather than maybe, you know, not throw any shots, get into a decision and losing 50, 45 or whatever. You know, you're, I, I, I reckon it's easier to, um, to, 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 I suppose, have that mental conversation with yourself afterwards and you know it's, uh, look it's never easy to have that many conversation i'm sure but for uh you know for fabian i i think he did the right thing it didn't go for him but that's mma at the end of the day and uh, eblin reigns as the champion and uh, in my opinion the best middleweight in the world um let's talk about pico and carvalho graham again another one where i think Pedro ended up losing, but I think he did the right thing. He went down, he fucking threw his shots. He went at it. He showed good takedown defense at times. Uh, but I think the athleticism, the, the raw athleticism, but with mixed with that ability, uh, that lovely uppercut that he threw, the quickness, the power, and the, the intelligence as well. Like I saw um, uh, uh, Brandon around his, his coach, um, and you, you know, Brandon Gibson, obviously. And sometimes you forget, like, there, there's, 
I was listening to Alice, um, uh, Nganu talking the other day on the, he's on with Joe Rogan we were listening to coming down in the car from Dublin and um, he kind of said like there are no geniuses in this but sometimes you get something from someone and it kind of changes things and I feel like there are actually very few of those people in mixed martial arts but I think Brandon Gibson is one and I think the work Brandon Gibson has done with Aaron Pico um, is probably he's probably the only one I think in the world maybe, maybe Trevor Whitman maybe there's a couple of other people as well that could have, could have done to Aaron Pico what he has done with him and I truly believe that like Pico even said it himself we asked him a few times it's like it's tough mentally to come back from what he faced early in his career you know where he lost those fights he was going to be the next day he was Bonicle. you know that's what he was if people maybe weren't watching a few years ago he was the guy he was a golden gloves boxing champion as well as you know the the best young wrestler in in the world or in america anyway and of course he's going to be he's going to find them easy and next thing he loses what two of his first four fights or something like that gets knocked out uh and he, got knocked out and he got guillotine choked in his first guillotine, one and yeah, getting yeah, yeah. dropped and then he kind of got back to four and one and then he lost two in a row so it's kind of yeah. like Stop start. Yeah. So it was it's great to to see that that's a possibility. Even if you're a young fighter and maybe you've lost your one of your first few fights, even say someone like even like a Kaelin Lochran, to see that the ability to come back and to be a top level fighter is there and Pico has shown that. But it was you know, it was a great performance. I I I, I as well there was a few people, you know, when Pico was one, I think he had a tough enough weight cut. And to go out and kind of throw all those shots early, banking on himself to get the, the finish, I suppose, was a big thing. But uh, for, for Pedro, it was uh, obviously a tough night at the office, but I think he went out there and he did all he could to get the win. It just yeah. uh, He showed some yeah. very good defensive grappling. You know, did, obviously yeah. you mentioned Pico's wrestling kind of credentials and, you know, Pedro made it very difficult. And, you know, he he he, he definitely put up a, as good a fight as he could and he, he got rocked. And I, I'm pretty sure this was a fight where there was like four or five shots to the back of the head that, that finished it as well, yeah. like, which is kind of unfortunate for Pedro, you know, uh, you know, if one kind of goes there or, you know, two out of five punches or something, maybe you say, ah, well, that's just MMA. But when four or five in a row hit in the back of the head, I can see why maybe Pedro, I haven't actually spoken to Pedro or heard anything, but I can see why he might be a bit miffed by that. But you're rocked at the time and things like that. It's a, it's a kind of a flurry. I don't think Pico was trying to hit him on the back of the head, but you know, if I was Pedro or maybe I'd be a bit, a bit, uh, have a bit of you know um, annoyance about that. Yeah, it was the finish was weird, right? Because I thought Pedro was like saying it was an early stoppage, and I think the crowd were kind of saying that as well. But it wasn't an early stoppage, right? But the two things that uh, so there was three things: the early stoppage, the shots at the back of the head, and then the referee just kind of allowing Pedro to stumble across the cage. I'm like, the referee's job there is to hold on to him, protect him. If he's giving out you, let him give out you. But do not allow a guy to wheel across the cage and fucking fall into the ground. That was tough. Especially if you're saying he's TKO'd. Like, you're yeah. saying he's TKO'd, so obviously <laughs> give, him a bit of, give him a bit of a hand there. Yeah. It was... It was that was one of the most ridiculous things I've seen ever watching a fight. I felt so you like anyone I'm sure felt really bad for Pedro or whoever it was that was in that position that they were just left fucking after being badly dazed or knocked out to be allowed to fucking fall across the cage like that. I think it was awful. But the, watching live, I was like, I'm not sure. But watching back about the shots in the back of the head, I think you're 100 correct. Like it's a big problem. We see this with MMA all the time, right? And it's the the you know the John Jones Matt Hamill thing. Ah, sure, he was going to win anyway. Well, you know, if Liverpool are up five nil and Virgil Van Dijk double foots a fella and breaks his leg, 
he's going to get a red card. It doesn't matter that the game is over, you know? Well, well, the PGMOL, you never yeah, know what well, you know, do, okay. but in theory. <laughs> in theory, yeah, in theory. This, it doesn't matter that the fight was almost over. It wasn't over. And he kind of clear, and it wasn't as if his head was moving or anything like that. There was a few clear shots to the back of the head there. And, like, I think the ref should have stopped it, being like, let him stand up. Uh, or he should have it on the first one. Watch the back of yes, the head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, but he, uh, yeah, I think it was bad. To be honest, I, I really do, and I think Pedro can feel aggrieved. Look, it's the it's the sort of one you're never going to get overturned or anything like that. But yeah, it was. Um, there was definitely shots to the back of the head. If there weren't shots to the back of the head, would Pico have won? Absolutely. Yeah. Look, that fight was over at that stage, but. That doesn't matter. The red card in the 95th minute is still a red card in the 95th minute. And um, that the fight should have been stopped to allow Pedro Carvalho time to recover from that, um, even though it was it was at the precipice. But, yeah, it was... Look, there was... I, I think, all in all, the officiating was pretty good during the night. We'll, we'll talk about the Queeley one in a second, but, yeah, there was, a, there was a few things. I think the judging was very good. There was, you know... You know, I think they got all the decisions right. If I'm being honest, um, but let, let's talk about the let's talk about the Queely one. I suppose while we're talking about this, Graham, what like I watched it back. I, I know the two of us. I think we we can say we felt pretty strongly that this should have been a DQ. Uh, but I watched it back, and I I think the no contest is right, and I'll tell you why. Like there, so to prove that someone intentionally kicked them illegally is obviously very hard to do. This looked like it did live to me. He whiffed on it. But there's definitely an argument to be made, I think, that maybe he was trying to kick him in the body or maybe he was trying to kick him in the side. You can or, always make an argument, though. There's no there's no case where you could just make an argument that he just 100% kicked him in the head on purpose yeah. on the ground. Like, but, like, I, mean? I think... As you can make a strong argument that way. You know, uh, some ones are like, well, his fucking head was on the ground. You kicked him straight in the head. There's no argument. And they still give him no contest. But I think with this one, uh, like, at the time, I thought it was the wrong call. But I do think it's the right call, to be honest. Have you reflected on or watched the background thing? I know you thought it was a DQ at the time. Yeah, at the time, I thought it was. It should have been, like, in, in live time. The second he threw it, I was like, oh, what is he doing? You know, it was the... To me, it was the at the very least, really uh, stupid decision-making to throw that. And at the worst, it was on purpose. And I think either way, if you make a really stupid mistake in that situation or you do it on purpose, you should probably suffer some more consequences. But yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one. To, yeah, it's it, it's hard to, you know, get inside the fighter's head and prove intention and say he definitely did it on purpose or anything like that. And obviously he doesn't want his fight to end in a, in a... DQ or a, a no contest, but in the heat of the moment, I think he made a a, a really bad decision, and and you know it could have been you know the, as as a fighter with your hand down or or with your knees down or when you're when you're down the opponent, you're not expecting to be kicked, and they say like you know the ones that you aren't expecting are the worst, and the second he he grabbed at his eye and took his hand away, I looked straight at his eye, and I was thinking straight away to uh, is it is it. Winkle John or who was it that lost her eye? Yeah, it was um, Mike Winkle holding John, yeah. pads where he got distracted for a minute and the toenail just made his eye fall out and shriveled up into a little pea is how he he tells the story. So I was just you know <laughs> hoping that wasn't the case and you know uh, the eye looked really bad but thankfully it's it seems to be a scratch on on the eyeball and a, a bad cut to his eyelid or to his um, yeah his eyelid. Uh, according to Peter, so yeah, I think he kind of got away lucky, and it was a 
a very dangerous thing for his opponent to do, even if even if you know you take the side that he didn't didn't intend it. But you know, uh, maybe not in this fight, but in other fights, um, guys have like win bonuses that they that they kind of you know could really do it. I don't, I don't think this was the case in this one. Maybe for Michelli it was, but I don't think it was for Peter. But yeah. Um, I could see, I could see an argument for both, but I, I'd lean on the side of uh, it should have been a should have been a DQ uh, win for really. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I'm very torn. As I said on the night, I thought a DQ, but afterwards, I think no contest is right. I, I think as well, we were we had a great view of this. We were like right behind it, and the second he kicked him, I was like, oh my fucking god! Like I thought, I thought he'd missed him at the start because it was such like a a whiff glancing yeah. yeah and what it was the kind of obviously the tour the nail maybe right into the fucking eye but what obviously seeing peter backstage and stuff it feels like it was kind of like it feels like the cut was on the inside of the eyelid or something and maybe i don't know maybe that saved him a little bit you know the eyelid saved the fucking eye or something it was raw like and like i, th- I think we as i said we were both right behind it but when he stood up and the blood was just like trickling along the eye you're like oh shit if there's like one trickle of blood coming down or whatever you're like okay he's cut but then when it's like the whole like it was like a, a mask at one side of blood it's like oh shit it looked really really bad but as i said thankfully um you know thankfully it's it's not as bad as first feared and hopefully peter yeah, can like we, we see blood coming out beside cuts beside the eye above the eye below yeah. the eye but we rarely see like blood just kind of coming out of the eye which it looked like yeah. it was like oh jesus this could be really bad yeah, and thankfully that it, it seems like that was the eyelid and the um the eye itself was just scratched as you said so yeah but i think like talking to Peter during the week and he said it afterwards as well in the interview it was like he's had a tough time of it and you know he's been questioned I suppose uh, the legitimacy of his ability over the last few fights and it got to him you know and he said that straight out and he was like look I was injured going into those fights and we, we all knew about the shoulder injury and we all knew how quick I suppose he turned around but I don't think any of us knew maybe how severe it was and he kind of um explained that in the media day and he was saying it afterwards as well and like look these fighters they don't want to have excuses and I kind of asked him well kind of why didn't you pull out and he's like like pull out what am I supposed to do I'm a fucking fighter I go in there and fight I'm like yeah like it's easy for me or you Graham to say I should have pulled out but like it's not easy to fucking pull out when you've sold so many tickets and when you're one of the main attractions and when you're let's say you're fighting Vincent Henderson and you're fighting for a title you know it's yeah easier said than done to just fucking pull out you know and um uh you know I think as well, sometimes we, and uh, I think this was the case for maybe this night and for Irish MMA in general as well, like wins and losses are are massive, but sometimes like I've, I've and I think this is especially the case with Queely because the amount of people I saw coming up to him and kind of just going, because like, and this was like maybe the American crew, the Bellator crew who think like this could be their last trip to Ireland like like if you're Michael C. Williams or if you're Josh Thompson or if you're whoever like this could be your last trip ever to Ireland and a lot of like both of them in fact I think and, and a few other people I saw him because Quilly was sitting right in front of us for like the Pedro fight in the main event and people come up and go thank you for everything thank you for the experience you've given us over the last few years and like some people, people probably listen at home and go, oh, geez, they're talking up another Irish guy or whatever. That's a fact. That did happen. Like, it's Peter Queeley's walkouts and some of the fights he's put on have been fucking special. And, like, 
again, that's what Bellator have given Irish MMA over the last few years. Like someone like Peter Queeley, who if he'd gone to the UFC, you know, maybe would have had five or six fights in the UFC or whatever it might have been. And, you know, his career could have gone totally differently that he... You know, he wouldn't be remembered in the same way, but the way he's remembered by people in Bellator is something special, and it's it's absolutely fantastic. But you look, there were a few rumors going around, and I don't where they came from. But like Peter was going to retire and all, I asked him straight up afterwards, and he said, you know, he basically said, look, I'm older now, and we all know it's coming, but I've no intention of retiring anytime soon, type of thing. So I think um, I think Peter will be back, and hopefully Bellator will come back to Ireland, and he'll be on that uh, card and everything. But you know, he, I, I'm always fascinated by Peter Queeley because like. He's he's just he's a different sort of character where he's like, you know, he I think he thinks about things an awful lot and you know he I think he there's like a little bit of a distrust maybe towards um, people talking about him or maybe 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 not us but necessarily but the media and maybe even even the fans to a certain extent he was saying I was I'm not sure if they were still behind me but then I feel like he gets to a fight a fight night or he gets even to a media day and like he has a good interview and then he's the fight the walkout is amazing or he got a big win and everyone's on his side and like I feel like it turns him around but like everyone I suppose has that doubt or bits of negativity that that kind of come into your head but I think we see it with Peter Queeley an awful lot and you know that makes him a complex character and it makes him someone who is, is very interesting to cover and I think you know as well I was thinking about this the other day but people are like oh you know an Irish MMA they're losing and you know all this but like our job here right is to cover the athletes our job here is not to necessarily cover the results are they okay we can talk about the results and we can analyze the results and we can analyze the performance but we're here to like cover athletes and talk about them and you know analyze all sides of them maybe and get their stories out there and on and like winning and losing is not the be all and end all for that you know for for our side of it for their side of it and their culture side of it absolutely for but for us you know our, our job is to to I, I saw Alex Ferguson talking about it in a, in a clip there from from years ago the other day the media's job is to tell the truth and like if we were to put out the truth about these people and let people decide from themselves, like the results shouldn't be what we live and die by. And they actually, they really shouldn't be what we live and die by. But um, I think Peter Queeley has been, uh, I suppose, a personification of that over the last few years. And um, he has shown that, like Irish MMA fans, the reception he got, don't really care that much about winning and losing. They care about their people. They care about the people who are going to give him special moments like he gave him. And um, I think... Uh, I'm one of those people as well who's really enjoyed the Peter Queeley walkouts and the Peter Queeley fights and what Queeley has become for Irish MMA, you know, and a bit of bias there, I suppose, as well with with uh, the, the Limerick walkout tune and all, but it's been fantastic. Uh, any few words on, on Queeley, Graham, I suppose, before we move on? I know you've known him for a long, long time. Yeah, I think it's with Queeley and it's with these events in general that, you know, we hear stories about like Ian Gary being at events and, you know, watching events and thinking, oh, I can I can do this. And I'm sure there's people there, inspired kids, young teenagers there at Bellator events and Queeley walkouts and big Queeley wins and other other Irish guys thinking, oh, I'd like to do this as well. And maybe in a, in a few years, we'll see guys saying, I was inspired by, you know, a big uh, Queeley main event, Bellator in Ireland or things like that. And that's the reason I got into the sport. And, and now I'm here now and I'm, I'm fighting similar events or similar like uh, levels and uh, big promotions and all that stuff. So, you know, uh, I think in time, the, the, the kind of, the history and the legacy will, will, will play out and maybe will uh, people who maybe kind of jeer at, at this kind of stuff will look back at it more fondly in the future and kind of appreciate some of these guys and some of these events and big moments and 
big occasions more. Yeah, without without a shadow of a doubt. Um, let's talk about the Sinead Kavanaugh Sarah Collins fight. Um, look, this was not a great fight. They kind of it, it was like a, I don't know. It was like a sparring match, but I, I, I was talking to funny. Enough, I was talking to Josh Thompson about this, and uh, I was kind of saying to him, "Was like they kind of both had to fight that way a little bit, didn't they?" And he was kind of saying, yeah, I suppose they did, but like neither of them went for it was kind of his point he was making. And it was, that was the type of fight, right? Collins didn't really go for it in terms of her grappling. Sinead didn't really go for it in terms of her striking. And it just was, I'm sure it's a 15 minutes both of them would love to have back. You know, obviously more so Sinead because she ended up on the, on the wrong side of the split decision last <laughs> look it was a fight you were sitting there and was like this is going to be a split decision <laughs> you know it was just that close um, there, we were we were kind of I think disagreeing on the, the, the score ground but like there wasn't much to, to go on I think what won it for Collins really was she landed a lot of nice leg kicks and she landed a few body shots um, I think look, I think she, there was one big body shot was that the second round that kind of yeah. I hadn't I, I at first look I hadn't kind of uh, ranked it as highly maybe as I should have and then I, I saw a replay of it and I was like oh that actually probably yeah, you know good, yeah. took, took, took the round here so that would have taken the fight and you know, it's that close in, in a fight like this. And I think Sinead, she she did she didn't get going. Her timing and her range looked a little bit off. She never really, you know, uh got her strike her punches going the way we were used to her getting her punches going and the fight just kind of slipped away from her. Um, you know, obviously extremely close rounds and you know, one punch, one kick either way could have could have done it. I think maybe maybe just the fact that Sinead, or that, sorry, Sarah had to judge, only worry about the punches and Sinead's punches weren't as, uh, as maybe Effective. on point, yeah. on point as usual. Yeah. It just, it, it gave, you know, um, it gave Sinead really not as many tools to work with. And Sarah, you know, she did, she, she fought in Sinead's realm and won. And if you had told me that before the fight, I, I would have said definitely not, you know, um, but, you know, in fairness to her, she didn't, she didn't use any ground game, didn't use any judo. And she, she managed to eke out the fight and it's going to be, a, you know, a, a great one for her to build on. But for Sinead, I think she'll be disappointed that maybe, I don't know what happened. It's a bad day at the office or she never, she just never really got going the way, the way we were used to her, seeing her, seeing her. Um, yeah. I don't know if there was something going on in the background or if it's just a bad day at the office or it's, it's just, you know, her opponent was, was more awkward than she expected and things like that. It probably a number of factors, but yeah, I think it was, uh, it wasn't one of Sinead's best performances by, by a long stretch. Yeah. There was at the wins as well. There was like, she was coming in to make weight and then I think she stood in the, and maybe this is wrong for me now. I haven't, I haven't confirmed this hundred percent, but sitting there at the wins, it looked like she got in the scale outside and then the scale outside was maybe different to scale backstage. And then she'd go back and maybe cut half a pound or something again and came back 25 minutes later and she made weight and everything like, but those things do matter as well, especially in a fight like this when there's, you know, one or two punches in the, in the difference between winning and losing. And I just yeah. wonder, I, I don't know. I think she'd be more disappointed at it she let it be such a close fight that yeah. one or two punch did matter because you know if she had got her game going like where we're used to it her, her, her punches even like you know getting her job and one or two 
one or two uh, big jabs would have taken each round. You know, that's how that's how close these rounds were. So I think she really controlled yeah, that, it as well, didn't she? Like she she got the fight exactly to where she wanted it to go. Like fighting off the back foot, Collins following her around but not able to take her down. And like Sinead just did couldn't show, land enough. Yeah. yeah, she did throw her shots, but as you said, they weren't. They just weren't landing. They were all like, you know, a foot off or just just whiffing a little bit. And it felt like maybe there needed to be a little bit more of a chance taken. But if you take a chance, what's Collins going to do? She's going to tie you up and take you down. So it was a tough, it was like a precipice fight. It's like, so it's going to have to go somewhere. But then Collins, like it's, it's almost, it turned into a fight where Collins was more confident in throwing horse strikes because like, she was like, what's the worst that can happen here? I'm just going to throw a few strikes here back out. And then, like, Sinead's not going to come with a kick inside or she's not going to come with a takedown. As long as I avoid the boxing, I'm going to be fine. And then she was able to pick off two or three big shots and it won her the fight, basically. Whereas, you know, I think the, the lack of the lack of the takedown threat from Sinead, the lack of a kicking threat from Sinead, the fact it was only a boxing threat was just, it was just not enough in this fight for someone as intelligent as Collins. And fair play to Collins, four fights into her career. I thought she'd lose because of that. Right, I th- and I thought the fight would play out exactly like this, and Collins wouldn't be experienced enough to win it, but she did, and she's a very, very, very good fighter, and um, you know, a, a very good win for her, like a top, top level win for Sarah Collins. Maybe people will will not say that, um, or not not realize that because of maybe Sinead's record or whatever. But Sinead's record, as we said many times, doesn't reflect how, how good she is as a fighter. But um, you know, fair play to Collins for doing what she did, and she stuck to her game plan and she won it. But yeah, look, it wasn't a classic fight, and one I I think Sinead will be. It's not that she performed badly at all, right? She she performed pretty well, but it was just there was that ten percent at the end missing that would have made this a thirty twenty seven and a dominant win, you know. And uh, that's that's tough on Sinead because you know she's what thirty seven, thirty eight years of age now as well. Um, you know, it's uh, there's this division is filling up. Um, there's a few big fights coming up as well in it. Now Collins has kind of passed her out as well. So it's a, it's a tough one for Sinead to take, but look, I'm sure she'd be back. And, you know, I, I wouldn't mind Sinead uh, in a few fun fights, a few boxing, a few, you know, a few, I, I, not boxing. That Leslie Smith rematch, I, want, I, yeah. I still want to see that. I know I've been saying that repeatedly, but I, I want to see that. <laughs> Let's make it happen. And you know what I'd love to see, Sinead, you know, if it is the last few fights of her career, Go out and fucking go for him, like you know. Just go out and have a few fun fights. If you get to the title shot again, you get to it. But if you don't, go out and fucking you know your name is KO Kavanagh. Go out and KO a few people. I think I really think she has it in her, and uh, you know I'd love to see that. But right, let's uh, run through a few of the rest. Um, the Burnell Vital fight. Um, <laughs> I, I we couldn't hear it at the time, Graham, but apparently Burnell said he was gonna buy everyone a drink so that they'd be drunk enough to have sex with their girlfriends or something. Because all Irish women are really uglier. It's like, whoa, Jesus, calm down here, Mads. But uh, Mads ended up winning. Vital retired. Great career from Vital. You know he's been around for a, a long, long time, and. Um, you know, looking forward to his next one. Looking forward to his next one. Uh, I missed the Coachelli Sabah Massey knockout because we were doing an interview backstage, and it was like one of the fucking best knockouts that I was ever at. It was an unbelievable front kick knockout. So uh, yeah, fair play to him. Uh, the JJ Wilson Mansour Banui fight was uh, a very very closely contested one, but uh, JJ Wilson ended up winning it. And you know, look, we we're sitting there cage side, we we're editing and things. We didn't see it all in totality, but it did look. To me, like, J.J. Wilson deserved the win. Um, 
but as I said, a, a close enough fight. Graham, the, the Charlie Warbebin fight, another one I missed and didn't see till yeah. I came back afterwards. You can probably hear it on the Kieran Clark interview. It was in the middle of that. Uh, I know you were sitting there, there watching it. A tough night for Charlie in, in a bit of a war over uh, 63 seconds um, against Gregory Babin. Yeah, well, you know, they both went for They were both swinging for the fences and Charlie looked to have landed the, the first big blow and kind of went in swinging and got dropped himself and rolled backwards to try to get back up, got caught in a guillotine and he he, he tried to change the angle. He tried to jump over, but, you know, uh, Babine, is that his name? Babini? Babine. Um, Babine. Babe, Babe uh, locked it up nicely and, and got the top. You know, Charlie's, uh, you know, uh, difficult guy to deal with on the ground, but obviously being stunned and, and knocked down before probably doesn't doesn't help. But yeah, uh, you know, he kind of went in with the the killer be killed attitude, and unfortunately for him, he was the one who uh, who who was killed. <laughs> I suppose in the metaphor. So um, yeah, it's, it's obviously a tough one for Charlie. Um, yeah, not really much too much to say it was a it was a very short fight and that's kind of that's kind of how it went down yeah look charlie's one of those guys as well who i think go in there fucking throw throw bombs and have oh, a hey, fight. Yeah, yeah and he did and that's exciting you know that was an exciting yeah. what was it a minute a minute and a half yeah, 63 was, seconds yeah yeah it was, it was you know somebody was going down quickly and you know sometimes sometimes you need a bit of that in a fight card especially on a 20 20 fight card yeah and i, <laughs> you, I think- you like to see strategic you like to see you know, be, be all that stuff. But sometimes you want to see a guy go in and try and take the other guy's head off and the other guy try to do the same thing. Char- and Charlie's always good value for that. And I think that's why, you know, if Bellator keep going, they'll probably get him back again and uh, we'll have uh, another one of these and he'll probably be on the right end of it the next time, you know. So, um, obviously, we Kieran, we, we talked about that. Look at Piglot. This was a very good win. He got the dark shock in the first round and he's had a good run now. 10-1, and one, obviously, uh, Real submission threat, and he gets the Darsh choke over uh, Roman Feraldo. Um, Kasan Magomed Sharapov also got the, the arm triangle choke against uh, Piotr Nijelski. Um, very good win for him there, and he rolls on to uh, 9 and 0 now. Um, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll run back on the Irish guys in a minute. Let me just finish up the other fights. Attila Karmas, in a bit of a shock here, beat Davi Gallon. Uh, he got the. Um, uh, TKO head kick to ground and pound kick, yeah. yeah lovely lovely knockout there um, as was the beautiful knockout by Sergei uh, Bilostene who knocked out Kazim Aras I think this is the best knockout I've ever seen live a heavyweight spinning yeah. back kick <laughs> and punch he'd of- already landed the spinning back kick to the body like yeah. a few seconds before that and then to the head it just for a heavyweight to do it with that kind of, you know, sometimes you see heavyweights throw these kind of kicks and they look a bit, <laughs> what's going on? They look a bit laughable. But yeah. this looked, you know, He's this guy good. is a He's is a good a fighter. Yeah, an absolute beast. I'm looking forward to seeing I him. I, I, I don't know how, like, how like your cardio will hold up as a heavyweight throwing that on the regular but uh, when it lands like that you know it's absolutely devastating. I want to see him fight Raheem Cleveland in his next fight. I don't know if that's... Uh, that's possible if they're having more fights, but that's what I want to see. Uh, Nicholas Soli lost to Roman Babin as well there um, early in the first round. Uh, Mark Ewan looked really good against Noah Gunyan. And just in that, that Nikolai uh, yeah. fight you just mentioned there, it seemed to, uh, like uh, K-Choid, I, I said to you and the, the Quilja, or something's happened to his knee, and then he immediately got like, yeah. TKO'd. So I think like he stepped back or something twisted. or I didn't actually see a replay on it, but in... In real time, it looked like something happened to his knee or something happened to his leg, and then he immediately got TKO'd. And he was limping coming out afterwards as well, wasn't he? So, yeah, it did seem like something happened to his knee, definitely, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, 
Yeah, I was talking Mark Yoon as well. Very good prospect coming through. I know um, he's training over. I think he was training with Dylan Chuk and the the dim guys over in Scotland. He looks a real good prospect at, at five and zero. Oh. Uh, Mackenzie Stiller and uh, Kira Pincheco got us going in with a w- uh, win for uh, Stiller there. Just to touch on the last few Irish guys, then. Um, Dara Kelly, I suppose, does, did what Dara Kelly does. He got caught with a few f- uh, shots standing, but his athleticism, his arresting ability took over, and he was able to get the ground upon a really good finish here. Love to see his cardio going until the third round again. I think he showed that in the maybe after getting a second win the last time, but it just kept going the whole time here. The, the thing for me with Dara Kelly is he needs, he needs what Kieran Clark uh, got, what we were talking about earlier. He, he's 5-0 and now. Dara Kelly needs another five, six, seven, eight fights to get to where he wants to go. He's he's very green, but this guy is a legit prospect. He's a very, very good athlete. He's as strong as shit. He like he is honestly, he's a top, top, top level prospect, but there's no need to rush him. Get that striking going, you know, work with Dave Roach and work with the other people there. And I think even the striking move. defense is is yeah. the kind of thing that he needs to work on the most. And uh, if he were to, you know, rock it up into a into a maybe you know a, a big step up in competition at this time, maybe that will get exposed, and there's no need to, there's no need to risk that at such a kind of early stage of your pro career. I think the the kind of matchups he's been getting are appropriate, and as you said, the kind of the Kieran Clark route will be will be ideal here. Yeah, hundred percent. Your man Zegers, he was fine. Apparently, he's a very good kickboxer as well. So, like, you know, he he did well to land a few shots against him. He did take a good few shots as well, but it wasn't as if it was one sided or anything like that. But yeah, I, I just, I uh, there's so much potential in Dara Kelly. He'd be, he's just one of those guys you kind of want to protect a little bit, and then when he gets to that level, let him off the hook, you know, and then let him go. But I think you need to restrain him. If, if you're a, if you're a, your his promoter or if you're his coach or whatever it might be, you you know just. There's no rush. There's no rush with Derek Kelly. He's one of those guys. You know, you've kind of a thoroughbred there, and you know he's he's going to rise to that level. In my opinion, anyway, I, I think I look at him like that, and I think we we don't often produce athletes of you know his ilk, and um, I really think he, he's a guy who can go to that next level. So uh, a great win for him as well. And he looked he looked much smoother uh, all around than than he has uh, previously as well, which is just. You know progression. This is why you don't throw these guys in too quickly against you know way too experienced guys and things like that, because they need time to round out their game. It's all well and good being in the gym and doing these things, but the experience of the fight in front of big crowds, like we always talk about in belt, that's huge. It's a stand to these guys. Like this will develop them and make them better fighters when they do get their their big step up opportunity. I think the same could be said for Asalajuj in a way. Now. Everyone who I talk about, and I said this many times, but all the SPG people are like, I sell, I sell, I sell. He is the guy. He is the next level guy. And he looked, he looked phenomenal here. There's, there's a few things as well. Like, I, I think. A cell needs a few more fights to, to kind of maybe get out of his game, like ch- changing things up late and maybe showboating a little bit and fucking taking a few shots of ground and pound that he didn't need late in the fight is something you you should not do. Fight fucking hundred percent. 100% of the time and you know uh, that's the thing I think he's dead and John Cavan and then afterwards need to like look don't do that You know, uh, we've seen it before people get knocked out and at 4.59 you don't want to be that person but at that aside he looked phenomenal he's just so smooth and his striking is so good I think John he reminds me of a little bit he's so uh, comfortable on the feet isn't he, he is really good he reminds me a little bit of, of Joe McColgan from a few years ago that all he needs now he's winning decisions and he's you know he's dominating people 
if he could get that knockout, get that way of finishing people, move on a little bit more, and that that's that will come with time. It, it happened. It ended up happening for Joe. He ended up becoming the the champion. I think a cell is a similar sort of thing, and I think uh, you know if he can add a little bit every time, every camp. I think by the time he's you know. 13, 14 fights into his career, we could be looking at something special. I saw a few people saying he is the top prospect coming out of Ireland as well. And I, do you know what? I, it's hard to disagree with that, with the performances that he's put on recently. He looks so good, Graham. And I know you've, you know, he's been in there and, uh, you know, do sparring with some of the best guys in SPG and, and all of that. And, um, <laughs> you know, he's not a guy who will, uh, will leave a challenge behind him or anything. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty high on a cell. You high on, are you high on a cell as I am? Yeah, yeah, he is his striking is is really, really, you know, he's really comfortable. His timing, his his uh, shot choice, his he, like he he has every shot as well on the feet. Obviously, you know, we've seen him stuff takedowns and things like that. But as he progresses up through the kind of the the ranks, obviously he'll he'll face kind of unfavorable matchups in in terms of uh, styles and things like that. And you'd like to see him maybe in some adversity and things like that before, you know, uh, before we can start saying this guy is going to be a world champion or things like that. But, you know, if he keeps going the way he is and he keeps improving, then, you know, why not? You know, it's, it's hard to to rate his, his jiu-jitsu game when he hasn't shown us too much of it. But from the little bit we've seen, it, it, like, it doesn't look like a big hole in his game or anything like that. It's obviously not on the level of his uh, striking when his striking is so good, but... You know, in order to in order to put him on his back, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to come through some strikes. You know, um, we've seen we've seen him put people away before. Obviously, he's he's is that his third decision in a row. I think that's his third decision in a row. But when he fought Jordan Barton, he, he head kicked him in the first round. That was a guy who was you know that was Jordan Barton was seven one and one at the time. You know, a, a known quantity, a good guy, and you know he's he's kind of. Obviously, decisions aren't ideal uh, if you're trying to make a, a big statement or whatever. But if you actually look at what he's doing in them fights, some of the strikes he's landing, you know, uh, some of them, or if all of them could have ended in TKO, if if you know, if he had maybe poured it on a little bit more, and maybe that'll come come with time where he kind of develops a bit more of a, a killer instinct. Um, but yeah, you know, if you know, his only loss was a split decision that cost. Constantine Blanita from Team Rhino in his first ever fight. So he's been on a serious streak here. He's got some finishes. He's got some cage time. Some he's shown he can go fifteen minutes no problem. You know, um, I'm, as you said, I'm very interested to see uh, how he goes in the next year, two, three, and you know, as he steps up and kind of faces adversity, how he can how he can overcome it, and maybe you know, in a couple of years, we'll be talking about him. As as a title challenger, and if Bellator is around, or if he goes to PFL, or even you know, he 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 could, could be in the UFC doing very well if he if he continues. But that's all that's all pie in the sky until uh, at the moment. You know, there's a long way to go. He's got to put in the work. He's got to keep improving like he has been. And you know, time will tell. I'm 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 a little bit wary about you know labeling guys the next guy. Like uh, even with Ian Gary, only recently am I kind of saying this guy's gonna. You know, he has a very good chance of being the UFC champion and all that. Because you just never know until you actually see the guys face the adversity that we haven't seen them face. So, you know, time will tell, but I don't see any reason to, to doubt it at the moment. 
100% I, I would agree with all that I wouldn't mind seeing him fighting Josh O'Connor next I think that'd be a good matchup obviously Josh uh, had a great win over, yeah. over Kenny McCann looks like a really good wrestler doesn't he he looks very good wrestler, you know man. Kenny obviously like maybe didn't have the best performance but I think a lot of that was due to you know how good this guy looked it, he looked a lot more experienced and, you know, he, he looked like he's going to be a, a very big problem for, for a lot of people. Yeah, he looks the top contender. I, I think Kenny, like, there was a times here where Kenny just did the right thing and it didn't matter because Josh O'Connor was just adjusting position and pulling him to a place where he didn't want to be. And that must be so disheartening, especially, you know, when you're yeah. early into your career. Um, and, you know, Josh is only early in his career as well. You know, they have the exact same amount of fights. So, you know, I'm not saying, oh, he beat some young lad or anything like that. He absolutely didn't. But he he just looked a step ahead. And, like, Kenny is still, obviously, a very good prospect and a very good fighter as well. And this is the type of fight that, you like, if you're going to be a top-level fighter, you need a fight like this. You know, you need a test like this to show you the level that you need to be at going forward. So, like, you know, it's obviously a setback. But, you know, as the gym says, win or learn. And, you know, you need to learn from this. And, and go to that next level but you know there's no shame in losing to a guy like Josh O'Connor who's a top top fighter coming in there I think the odds were very wide on this and I like I, th- I thought Kenny would win I thought he'd have enough but you know Josh O'Connor showed the, the, the level he's kind of gotten to over the last while uh, is, uh, is top uh, and uh, yeah. he's very good it was like forward. you said I think Kenny tried everything to kind of get a, get a, get into a better position but he's just he just kind of ran out of ideas. He tried everything and it just wasn't working. And, you know, Josh O'Connor just had an answer for everything on the ground. And, uh, you know, Kenny just, just couldn't get it, couldn't get up. Like he just, it wasn't, it wasn't as if he was, he was just kind of just laid on Josh O'Connor, you know, was active on the ground and just never gave him an inch and never gave him the space. And, you know, as you said, that's a, that's a, that's a good thing for Kenny to have to, to work on, to go back and analyze and to improve on that. As like, as I'm always saying, like, you know, people say the secret ingredient to, to success is defeat. And we see guys come back after defeats, uh, much better. Like, you know, sometimes you don't, sometimes a guy comes back and he's nervous and there's more pressure on and things like that. And maybe it takes a, a fight or two to kind of see the, the fruits of the, of the, the loss or the the advancement you've made since the loss and things like that but nearly always we see losses improve people early on in their career so i'm expecting you know kenny to come back strong i don't like you know people are very quick not that i've seen people write off kenny or anything but people are very quick to write off people even you know one loss here one loss there but mma is not like boxing you know you loads of guys have loads of losses uh <laughs> you know you can, you can get knocked out one year and the next year you're the champion in, in the UFC or whatever so like it's it's not as big a deal as maybe some people make it out to be especially early on in your career like this yeah 100% um, let, I, let's talk about Brian Moore I left him until last just because I, wa- I wanted to give him a bit of extra time and talk about him a little bit I suppose like like Queely as well uh, because he's been one of the guys who's just been around for a long long time he's 36 years of age now and like he lost to Rodriguez. He got arm triangle in the, in the second round. That was that was his first stoppage loss since AJ McKee in 2017. So it's been six years. And, you know, Brian's been in there with some very good guys uh, in that time. And, you know, t- taking on all comers, some people who are like ringers that, you know, and I, I think we had another guy here who like, 
you know, he's way better than maybe would suggest his ranking or anything like that would suggest upper weight class and all of that. And not to make any excuses though, you know, Brian said there himself, he went in feeling good. He won the first round, I think, in two of the three judges' cards in a very a very close round. Obviously, kind of the, the takedown was there, but Otto didn't do a lot with yeah. it. Well, I think the work that chance. Brian did on the feet early in the round was enough, uh, in my opinion, yeah. as well. And I think that's probably what the two judges uh, thought because, you know, Obviously, the majority of the fight wasn't on the feet, but the work he did there, you could see that there was there was a level difference between the two of them on the feet. Yeah, and it was, again, it was one of those ones where it was almost like a natural 145-er against a guy who, you know, is, is probably a natural 135-er, and that extra bit of, like, it, let's say Fabian, right, against uh, Evelyn. He was able to stop that takedown two or three times just because, you know, they're even enough size. I think, you know, Fabian is actually probably a bit bigger, but, like, the, you know, he didn't have a massive strength advantage, even though he has a wrestling strength and all that. Whereas if the, I feel like if this was two guys bought a 135, I think Brian would probably would have been able to stop one or two of those, and then that fight just changes a little bit. And, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not making any excuses for him ranting here. He took the challenge and he knew what he was getting into. You know, I spoke to him about it a, a month or two ago and he, you know, and, and this week as well. And he said exact same thing. It's a tough matchup. And Ada Rodriguez is a very good guy and a great win for Ada Rodriguez as well. Make no mistake uh, about that. But, you know, it's, I, I just feel for Brian Moore, he's one of these guys. And here maybe we we're throwing a bit of bias into this because he's an Irish guy and maybe we know him a little bit closer and, you know, uh, but, like it's just it felt like he kind of missed out on the the Irish wave at the start and then he came into Bellator he got his opportunity and he took the opportunity like he he won a he's won a good few fights in Bellator was on a three fight win streak at uh, one stage and you're thinking like okay he's on the verge of the rankings here give him you know give him that matchup give him that number 9 in the rankings or whatever and like there was a few guys at that stage you were thinking like okay he could beat those guys and then, like, you know, what happens? They give him fucking Mikhailov in his debut and he loses that. It's like, ugh. You know, you know, and then he gets the Lugo fight. Yeah. It's a very I close fight. I, but I, I think in this yeah. sport, like, you need a bit of luck sometimes. And I just think Brian Moore has never really got the rub of the green. He's never, you know, we talk about the matchmaking and things like that. But also, you know, uh, things could have been, you know, uh, things could have been different a lot of times in, in Brian Moore's career. A lot of decisions that maybe, you know, could have went the other way. Like, not this fight. Though. This is obviously, like, Otto Rodriguez could very slick on the ground, got a great finish. But in other fights over the years, and as you said, just kind of missing out on the kind of the Irish MMA UFC wave and just, you th- I, I think back and I think with a little bit of, you know, a rub of the green here, a little bit of different matchmaking here, things could have been a lot different for, for Brian Moore. But having said that, you know, he's had a phenomenal career and, you know, some huge moments and some massive occasions and some big, big wins and some very good performances. And he's, He's improved and improved well into his 30s. You know, his striking and his footwork and his, his technical ability is, is phenomenal. And, you know, uh, he's, a, he's a great guy. You know, he gives a straight. You know, there's a lot to like about Brian Moore. And maybe when when a guy's so likable and, you know, an, an exciting fighter and a, a technician like that and things just don't go don't, don't go his way, it, it, it's a little bit disappointing. But, you know, you can't change the past. You just got to get on with it. Brian was maybe talking it seemed like maybe from his Instagram that he was, th- he was very emotional about this and maybe was thinking about maybe not, not fighting anymore. But, you know, when you've, as you said, you, he hasn't been finished in a long time and 
you know, he's a, all all fighters are emotional. It's, it's it's everything to them. This is this is their whole life. You know, obviously he's got family and all that stuff, but this is a huge part of these guys' life, and it's a it's a it's a hard thing to take when you go out there and you you, you lose and you get finished. But yeah, it's just. Um, yeah, I think it's just he needed a little bit of luck here and there and didn't get it throughout his career to to really advance to the to the very top level. A hundred percent. It just felt like even that Jarno Lugo fight is mentioned there, a close fight, like he could have won that. And if he'd won that, he probably would have been ranked and he probably would have got a guy, you know, who he had a good chance of beating in the rankings. And, it, you know, instead he gets, you know, say in his last, in his last what, five fights, he said a close Lugo fight, and then two guys who hadn't fought in Bellator before, but are really, really, really good. Like, that's just tough. Like, let's say instead of those two fights, he got two, you know, guys who are just outside the rankings with him. He could, you know, he could be on like an eight-fight win streak right now. That's, and he's not, like, but and that's the reality of mixed martial arts, and it's the reality of, like, when you're also like a 36-year-old bantamweight, and people are, you know, don't look at you in the way maybe you look at yourself or that the fans look at you or the media in in a certain respect looks at you and think as you as a guy who needs to be given the opportunity now at this stage of his career he's earned it and he just he was never never given that like ne- just never never handed anything like literally never fucking handed anything but at the same time right he's had a very good last few years because of Bellator like he's been fighting in Bellator since 2016 like to have that what is it seven year career fighting at that level that's you know something say say like an, an Owen Roddy back in the day or even like a Chris Fields guys like that who kind of missed out as well on the wave like I'm sure guys like that would yeah. absolutely love sure. that in, in the in the yeah. 10,000 hours video before the before the fight or the documentary we made you know Roddy's talking about it. I just I just love to get a fight of the night bonus 50 grand down payment mortgage on a house that was what that was all he wanted you know <laughs> and like these guys maybe like it's a different landscape now but it, that wasn't too long ago that was like what 12 years ago 11 12 years ago and you know brian moore was a fighter in the gym at the time and you know this is you know if you look back then he, he probably would have taken this no problem but it's just you know it could it could have been a little bit more and you know maybe it still will be if, if brian continues fighting we, we don't know what's going to happen but yeah i think yeah, it's just that little bit of luck, as I say, just hasn't gone his way. But uh, yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's probably made a lot more money than maybe, you know, he would have made if Bellator hadn't hadn't come and put on these events and signed them and, and all that stuff. So, you know, at the same time, it could have been worse. Yeah, 100%. But Historically, it would have been worse. <laughs> oh, it definitely would have been like, it definitely would have been. I think for, for Queely and Moore, it's like, you know, Quigley a little bit different because he got the title shot and he got the big uh, Benson Henderson fight and things like that. But it feel it feels like you know they maybe were one step away at times. But still, even leave all that aside, they have had such memorable Bellator careers fighting in front of the Irish crowd as well in the Tree Arena many, many, many times. It's you know it's been fantastic. And just I suppose looking at this card as a whole again as we as we I suppose finish things up here, I saw a few people saying like oh, it was a bad night for Irish MMA, but. I, I don't necessarily think it was, and it didn't feel like that, right? Even if, let's say it was, because like, okay, Sinead Kavanaugh lost, but that was um, a very close fight, and the Queenie fight went the way it did. And like, the top, what was it, seven fights? That was all that there was with the Irish fighters. So like, only one Irish fighter lost in the top seven fights. Um, so like, the crescendo that came to the end, 
it didn't feel like a bad night for Irish MMA, if you want to put it that way. And like on the undercard, it was, you know, Kieran Clark had a great win, kind of come from behind. Derek Kelly had a very, very uh, good win. And like some of the SPG guys obviously a sell that people would know. And, and uh, uh, who else? Uh, Luca Piglot as well uh, had a win, I suppose, for the SPG camp. So, yeah, no, it, it didn't. Like, I know I saw a few people saying, and like, it's an easy thing to say, I suppose. Oh, it's a bad, another bad night for Irish MMA. It really, really didn't feel like that at the arena at all. It felt like a great night, honestly, for for MMA in Ireland rather than Irish MMA. So, yeah, I know. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's just in vogue now to say Irish MMA is shit and we talked about that for well, last I think week, so. compared to like other, you know, Bellator events where things have gone, you know, results have gone a bit better and you could say, oh, it wasn't the best. But yeah, I don't think it was a bad night in any way for Irish MMA. It was a big event in the three arena. We saw loads of Irish fighters. Obviously, you know, it's MMA. Guys win, guys lose. Obviously, maybe it's a bit disappointing that the Queedy fight ended so quickly in the illegal kick and all that stuff that isn't ideal you know people a lot of people maybe were there for Queely and maybe would have been disappointed with that but besides that yeah it, it wasn't like you know Oh, what a brilliant night for Irish MMA, but like, I definitely wouldn't be saying it was a bad night for Irish MMA. No, and it was a brilliant card, though, and it was like, as we said, it's a lot of high-level stuff and a lot of uh, a lot of good finishes and all that as well, so, uh, you know, we won't complain. Right, let's um, let's look ahead to uh, next week here briefly. First of all, though, there's, there's a cage warriors next week, there's an Irish guy fighting on that, there's a few Irish guys fighting on the PFL, but Graham Ian Gary against Vicente Luque fight announced there yesterday. Uh, it kind of interesting, you know, their teammates and everything like that. But it's a, uh, it's in. I wasn't expecting this fight to be honest, but I think it's going to be fun as shit. I think, I think that's a, a real, you know, a good, te- a good test for Ian Vicente Luque is a good fighter. He's you know good on the ground, good submissions, but a very good striker as well, and will let his hands go. Uh, and you know that dynamic of them maybe having. I'm not sure if they've trained together, but I assume they have. Um, very interesting dynamic. What, what do you think of that matchup for Ian next? Yeah, I think I think it's an appropriate matchup. I think you know, uh, Luke definitely offers um, you know things that he's going to have to solve, and he offers threats, and he, he he could finish the fight anywhere. You know, if Ian was to you know not perform or make a mistake and things like that. But I think we've seen Ian improve so much between fights. I think every fight he he looks he looks much better, and I, I expect that to continue. You know, he's been training all over the place not just you know he's been training with everybody who like at this stage you'd be looking at a list of welterweights or people around there that ian hasn't trained with to try and uh, to try and make matchups so I, w- I wouldn't be too worried about that kind of aspect of having trained together obviously it adds a little wrinkle of you know you you've you've kind of saw his these are up in the gym before but it's a completely different thing on, on fight night and i think as i said ian's improving probably uh you know a lot quicker than somebody uh, at luke's stage of his career is and i think ian's going to be too quick and too sharp and um yeah i think if it even if it is hit the ground i think ian's ground game is a lot better than than most people think it is i think you know uh we, we've seen in, in bits and cage warriors and things like that but yeah i think um people are going to be surprised at, at, at how good uh, ian's ground game is and yeah i expect ian to go in there and and probably get the finish or to dominate the the rounds but um you know, uh, these these guys as you step up into into the kind of top ranks of the UFC are dangerous, and if you do make a mistake, you you will be punished. And you know, uh, maybe if Ian had gone in against a guy like Luke in his first or second fight in the UFC, it might have been a different story. We like you know we we've seen him kind of develop since then and kind of round things out. Um, so yeah, um, I'd be I'd be pretty confident in Ian in, in this one, and I think it's an appropriate matchup, and I think it's an exciting matchup, and I think yeah, it's it's good matchmaking. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing. Obviously, we'll talk an awful lot about that before it happens. Um, the other 
I suppose top Irish prospect coming through was also a match made this week. Paul Hughes is fighting Jake Cahagans. Jan, Jay, uh, I can't say it. Jan Quihagans. I was calling him Jay the other day. I mean, his name is Jan. Uh, at um, Cage Warriors Dublin. This Cage Warriors Dublin card, I, I'm just not sure about it. Um, we're only a couple of weeks away. and oh, now, now, now that Paul's been added, I'm, fucking, I'm well up for this now. Oh, I don't know. Like, can you, uh, do you have it open in front of you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Ryan have, Shelley's on it. Yeah, no, I know, I know but I, I was going to ask you, can you name another fight on it? Because like, oh, sorry, sorry. Like, <laughs> it's great to see all the Irish people on it, but like, say, say like, if we we're to compare it to the Bellator, right? There's a lot of Irish people on it against maybe guys we we don't necessarily know, but then you have the Eblin Fabian Edwards fight, and, and okay, Cage Warriors don't really have that, but uh, just, uh, but they do a really good job of getting it. Like, I think this. Um, this Manchester card coming up has some fights like that. Let's say James Hinden Harilla was on the Irish card. I'm like, oh shit, that's a great fight. Or let's say Luke Riley's on it. Or, you know, as well as all the Irish people. Or let's say Luke Riley's fighting one of the Shelleys or something like that. It's like, oh, you're, I don't know. There's just something missing. Like this Dublin card is, oh, I think it's going to be hard to James Sheehan, you got Mason Jones. I don't know. Like, I know it's not like, you know, it's kind of upcoming pros and, you know, people like James Sheehan and, you know, people, maybe, we're on the fence thinking oh, there's a lot a lot of events going on the Bellator just happened there's a PFL coming there's a rumoured UFC but I think the Paul Hughes edition even if you know the opponent doesn't really matter people just want to see Paul Hughes you know well, is this guy as good, as good as you know people are saying and maybe a lot of people uh, haven't actually seen Paul fight live and will want to go see Paul fight live and up a weight class you know maybe you know if it had been against Hardwick it would have been it would have been obviously a much bigger fight and much more excitement but I think I think that that fight really definitely adds a, a lot of excitement for me anyway yeah uh, they needed it they really needed Paul Hughes and like there's there's two bars to this right Paul Hughes I think needed to take a fight and Cage Warriors needed Paul Hughes but this fight it just makes absolutely zero sense like you have the featherweight champion fighting a contender matchup at lightweight like why is he either one just not fighting for the lightweight belt or an interim belt even or just defending his featherweight belt like I, I don't know just, and I'm not saying that as an anti-Paul Hughes anti-Cagers anti-Ian Dean or anything this is this is fattening fucking three weeks they just had to get a fight and I understand it but from like the outside point of view it's like god just a bizarre one it's like been waiting out for a year and then this is the fight that happens I, I don't know and it's like it'll be a good fight and everything like that I'm sure but I don't know I'm, I'm just a bit down in this card to be honest I don't know why I don't know why. Maybe when it, it gets to a couple of weeks, I'm going to get closer to it. And I, it actually will because, I, you know, I'll end up watching some of the opponents and some of the Irish lads and go, oh, this guy's good, this guy's good. And then I'll be, like, really excited about it. But I, I'm telling you, if you're a fan, right, and you don't do what I'm going to do there, I just don't think there's anything stand out on that card that you need to see. Now, okay, you need to see a Paul Hughes fight, absolutely. The Mason Jones-Yanley ass fight, that's a very good fight. That's one of the ones I was talking about earlier. You need to see that. And, like, you need to see the, the prospects coming up as well and everything, but I, I don't know. I just wonder how many tickets they're going to sell. After seeing Bellator the last day as well, not selling many tickets. You know, Cage Warriors didn't sell out the place the last time as well. I know it's going to the RDS this time. I just wonder. I just wonder, but I, ho- I hope I'm wrong. Maybe there'll be another one or two things added, and It'll take it, and all it needs is one or two things to be honest. But yeah, I think it's a little bit of a little bit of a hard sell. But we'll talk more about that as, as it comes closer. Uh, next week, Adam Shelley's fighting Matthew Camilleri on that uh, very good uh, card I mentioned there over in Manchester. But there's also the the PFL card, Graham, the PFL Europe, um, and this is an absolute 
banging card. I've done a preview for this. Jesus, the amount of prospects on this uh, in fairly interesting fights as well. Actually, the Lazy King fight has changed. He's fighting Brad Wheeler now, but Cedric Dumbe against Jordan Zebo. That's a very good fight. Um, Simeon Powell is in the tournament. Dakota De Chavez in the tournament. Franz Malambo, we're going to see him again. This fight against Newsy. Whew, that, that's a fucking fight. Dylan Chuke, John Mitchell. This fight is all against Ali Taleb against Kurshed Kakarov. That is top, top, top level stuff for up and comers. So this is a this is a fantastic card, Graham, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. A lot of Irish interest uh, on it. I know you're very close to friends and have been for years, but Dylan Chuke, John Mitchell on the card as well. I'm sure I'm sure you're uh, absolutely really looking forward to that one, Graham. Yeah, obviously we had uh, Dylan Chuke and Franz Malambo uh, on the the Fighting Irish documentary we made years ago for RT, making their pro debuts, and we've been, obviously been following these guys even before at amateur, and you know it's great to see them finally. You know, obviously we've talked about Franz and kind of even though he was winning, he wasn't getting the kind of opportunities that you'd expect, and you know he's finally kind of in a tournament here where if you win, you know where the the date is, you know you know you kind of have an end destination, and you. And you have fights that you know are going to be lined up, provided you win. And same with Dylan Chuke. I think you know Dylan Chuke, obviously uh, a big prospect at amateur, all that turn pro. Uh, very exciting fighter. Had his ups and downs. You know, obviously a lot going on in his personal life. Moved over to Scotland. Looks like a great fit for him. Came in there, got a great win. Looked phenomenal against a guy he was, you know, he was touted to lose against in in, in the opening round and. You know, this is no this is no easy fight again. But you know, I think Dylan's very well rounded. You know, his ground game is is underrated. He's a finisher. You know, he's he's a handful for anybody. And obviously, Franz, you know, uh, against uh, Fran- Francesco uh, Nuzzi, that's another one where it, it you know this guy has power. He has he has good strikes, but you know. Franz maybe looked a bit rusty in his in his last one. He'd been kind of you know landscaping. He hadn't <laughs> he hadn't been in the gym. He'd been doing gardens and you know uh, all the training in the in the gym is is one thing, but getting in there and you know getting your range and your timing is it actually in the cage is a different thing. And you know he said that afterwards himself. Even though he he won that fight pretty comfortably in the end and got a big knockdown and stuff, he kind of smothered his work a little bit and maybe wasn't as clean as as um as he usually is, but if he's back to his his normal self, you know his timing is phenomenal. His his speed, his his uh, his range finding is on the feet, and it looks like Newsy will want to strike with him. You know, um, from the little I know of Newsy, you know he he's looking to go in there and put strikes on people as well. So that should be a phenomenal fight. That should be very exciting. And obviously with with a finale uh, finale uh, European tournament uh, finale place and the Dublin card uh, at stake here for all of these Irish guys, it's it's huge. And you know, obviously, John Mitchell. You know, he's going in there against another difficult guy. Like these are these are not easy matchups, but you know, in a, in a tournament, you wouldn't you wouldn't expect easy matchups. So uh, yeah, hopefully, we can get you know, all it'd be great if all of these guys win when we have them all on the the PFL Dublin card in the finale. It would be huge for for the event and for you know PFL's first first time in Dublin for obviously the Irish MMA fighters and 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 everybody. So you know, it'd be great if all these guys could get it done, but. You know, there's there's a lot on the line here, and these other guys are hungry too, and these other guys want to get a hundred grand for winning this tournament as well, and potentially get into a million dollar tournament. So, you know, everybody's going to be bringing their A game here. So, I'm expecting all of the all three of these Irish fights to be phenomenal fights, and I'm yeah. really looking forward to all of them. Yeah, me too. I've I've a preview coming out for it on uh, on Sherdog this week, so please check that out. But it's a yeah, it's a, it's a 
I'm telling you, it's an absolute banger of a card, and the uh, Irish guys on it are uh, in some interesting fights. Like, uh, all three of them really tough fights, winnable fights, but losable fights as well, you know? And that's what we want from MMA, I suppose. Um, especially for guys, especially like Franz, he needs to be having fights like that. I think Dylan as well, and then John Mitchell, he's now eight fights into his career, you know, well able to take on those lads, and uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing that going down, so... We will leave it there. Uh, a bumper hundred and what, nearly hundred minute podcast this week. So uh, it's like the uh, the added time in the Premier League. There's just you know it's getting more and more all the time. It was, it was only four minutes, but Man United were trying to hang on against. Burnley, uh, no, so, uh, never mind. We'll have to launch an investigation into that one. Poor old Quilter. It was hard. It was hard to look at him there and uh, Burnley losing. You know, on kids like but. Look, ah, he's well used to it. <laughs> so am I. That's the problem. <laughs> but um. Look, it was, uh, it was a great week. Thanks, everyone, for the support, uh, watching the videos and signing up to Patreon, patreon.com for our podcast and all that. Uh, we appreciate it all, and we appreciate all the fighters as well, putting it all on the line. And, um, you know. Did you did you experience any of the absolute carnage after the, the Irish game? Oh, carnage. The, the Irish, oh, the, the rugger bugger. The, the ruggers. There was, there was guys bleeding green wine gold all over fucking Dublin, man. It was absolute. Uh, the Heinemites, they nearly got absolute fucking killed, man. carnage. The fucking Heinemites that were flying in Dublin on Saturday night. It was carnage, man. Carnage. But, yeah. <laughs> Not really. No, I didn't. I didn't get caught. I just went to bed. I was too tired. But, uh, yeah. Right. We leave it there. Thank you uh, all again. Appreciate you all. Severemed.com. At Sean Sheen Bia. At Severemed. At Severemed Pod. We leave it there. If you have any questions, actually, we're going recording on Tuesday night and getting Ian on. So if you have any questions, fire them at me at Severe Medpod on Twitter or you can email, um, what can you email? Questions at SevereMed.com. Questions at SevereMed.com and we will answer all of them there. Graham, take us out with your quote for the week. As your bad day disappears, no longer wound up like a spring before you had too much, come back and focus again. We'll see you next week. Good luck. <laughs>